Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of the NHL podcast. I am your co-host, Rahil, alongside my fellow co-host, Safir. And today we have a very special guest, you guys, the creative director for EA Sports NHL. So you can see devoted, huge Buffalo Sabres fan, as well as a Buffalo Bills fan, which is a Patriots fan. It's interesting. Mike Inglehart. <laughs> Mike, thanks for joining us, man. How are you doing today? Good. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show, guys. I, I, I'm a bit sweaty after the Bills win last <laughs> night. Another dicey one to the end, but happy we got the W. Awesome. I was tempted to bring up the Pats game, but honestly, we're going to go like two and six. No, no, that's in the so past. That's, that's two weeks ago. Yeah, so it's did. two weeks ago. So, Fear, how, uh, how have you been, man? I've been I've been doing really good. I have to say, you know, like I, I miss the days when I think Buffalo Bills they used to play one home game in Toronto every year, right? Yeah, yeah I miss those years. Unfortunately, I've never been to a game, but it, it would be nice if they can come back to Toronto. Um, but hey, Mike, super awesome having you on the show today. Um, and you know, we there's a lot of things that we'll be discussing today, obviously. Um, but we'll start off with a little bit about your background, because like obviously you have a connection with hockey, so we're super curious about you know how you got involved into the chill space, your experience with NHL video games, and just hockey more broadly. Yeah, I mean, hockey has been a huge part of my uh, life since a kid. So I grew up in Southern Ontario in Oakville, Ontario. Um, you know, played hockey since the age of four. Um, grew up playing the NHL uh, series on Genesis when it first came to life, and uh, I got a good friend back home, uh, Quincy, who. Uh, him and I still bang on NHL uh, every time we go back to see him in Ontario. So that rivalry is there. We always joke we would have been a great commercial uh, for EA when we were younger, just telling how heated that was. Um, went to school actually for radio and television broadcasting and just sort of stumbled into gaming and, and took that education and applied it into gaming. Started doing gaming 23 years ago uh, when I moved out to BC. Actually, I worked on a hockey game at Radical Entertainment uh, called... Uh, uh, NHL Championship Hockey, which was with Fox Sports. And so that kind of got it started. Uh, did NHL Hits Pro with Next Level Games uh, when I went from Radical to Next Level. A uh, couple of Mario Soccer games uh, with Next Level as well in terms of working with Nintendo. Uh, and then, you know, hockey's always been there. Like I said, big Sabres fan. I still play on three beer league teams now as I'm getting up in age. So it's still a huge part of my week to week. And the timing was right to come to EA, and, and it's been a huge honor to uh, be a part of, again, a series I grew up playing. I've had a lot of these awesome ventures throughout my career, and I, I couldn't be happier to be part of this team and happy with where we're headed here after being at the studio for two years. That is awesome, Mike. Shout out Oakville. I was uh, I was in Oakville for a couple of years, and man, that is a hockey crazy city there. It's awesome to be in there. Um, I want to ask you, Mike, a little bit about just kind of your history working in the gaming industry, because I remember when we first connected, I looked at your Twitter bio, and I was like, Mario Strikers, NHL, I think it was NHL Hits, and I was like, man, those games are awesome. I really love those games. So just to touch upon a little bit about just kind of like, you know, the specific games you've worked on. Um, I'd love to hear about those two personally. I remember playing Mario Striker with like my buddies and stuff. And oh my God, like Chell games are intense, but those games were just as intense <laughs> for me. Yeah, I mean, so I got a chance to work on Hits Pro, which was the third game in the series. At, uh, that was at Next Level. So a uh, studio named Black Box did the first two uh, hits games. And so when we inherited that opportunity, we took it to five on five. And so at the time, Midway was actually trying to compete more directly with EA and create a, a title that could kind of appeal to a different audience. Our game is a bit more over the top. Obviously, you could send guys through the glass at will, uh, hit the goalies, the goalies could come out and skate up the ice. But we tried to give it a bit more authenticity. And then that game actually became the core for the Striker series. So um, when we worked with Nintendo, 
they came across. And they were looking for a Western developer to take their sports games and make something that appealed to uh, players on this side of the pond. And so we gave that series more edge. Uh, you know, the characters, there's the infamous Waluigi crotch chop, which uh, still surprising that it made its way into the game. But, uh, uh, you know, we used a lot of wrestling influence in terms of personality to take the Mario characters and depict them in a light that um, mimics what we see in sports, why we watch sports, why we love the fandom, why we love the big personalities. And to your point, like next level and myself personally still today, I'm a huge gameplay guy. I think gameplay is without question, the, the heartbeat of any good video game. And Strikers was intense, but then Strikers Charge was like a, a whole step up above what Strikers was. And those games today, I know there's still groups organizing esports, uh, despite you know the Wii being long gone, people still playing that game. And, and I'm, it's just exciting it left a mark. And it's awesome when people bring it up and to see a smile on people's faces when they to know they've enjoyed playing the game. I mean, that's why we get up and do what we do for work every day. I love that. That's awesome. And yeah, to your point, like gameplay is such a crucial point. And I know we're going to talk about that in relation to NHL 24 a little bit later on. So um, Rahil, what I find particularly interesting, just hearing, you know, we have guests on the show and I find it so fascinating hearing people's backgrounds, you know, professionally and personally and how they use their interests to go into one avenue and then kind of evolves into other opportunities here. Mike's experience with radio and broadcast. I, I never even knew that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how like, everyone's kind of path to getting where they are today is just so different, but so similar as well with, you know, mm -hmm. like you talk about your love of hockey and following that. And like, you know, even for Safir and myself, like we both grew up playing the NHL games as well. I, I mean, like last year I got to play NHL 94 for the first time. And that was like, you know, as a hockey fan, that was awesome. Still proud that I made it to the playoffs <laughs> and won a round. And then I got destroyed. <laughs> there you go. There but you at go. least I made it a little bit, but yeah, Safir, it's absolutely awesome, man. Yeah. Um, Mike, with that in mind, I'm just wondering, um, what sort of tips would you have for other people who might want to be more involved in just the gaming industry in general or who have a passion for it? So, I mean, it's it's changed a lot since uh, I got into the industry. Like, um, one, I'd say, you know, play as many games as possible. I think that without question, you know, they always say, like, you can end up doing things you really love and turn a hobby into a career if you apply yourself. And I didn't know at a young age, I'm sure my parents didn't know at a young age, that all the time I was spending in front of the TV was really gathering information. And there was, the more I played games, the more I just started to deconstruct them and try to understand what made them tick and what made them work. So I'd start with that. And more so, play games you don't really have interest in in terms of genre, because as a designer over the years, there's a lot of ideas that come from places that you least expect it. And it's really like panning for gold. You might find something in an RPG game, you're like, this would work really well if we translated this and evolved it and brought it to a sports game or vice versa. I know there's a lot of sports ideas that end up going elsewhere and you see it appear in other genres. So that's number one. Uh, luckily nowadays, there's tons of schools that offer programs to get into design. So I'd say, uh, you know, get online, do research, see what programs are out there. Because the gaming industry has matured quite a bit, um, having that education now is important because there's a lot of theory, there's a lot of approaches and processes that we do in gaming that you can get from school. Whereas back then, my saving grace was a lot of what I learned for radio and television broadcasting in terms of creative process of taking an idea, whether it's a, a commercial or a show concept and bringing it to fruition, that applied really well to what we do making games. So, but nowadays, you know, research, find, uh, find the schools that work. Uh, relationship building is definitely a skill that I would say is paramount. We're all, it's a big team. You have to get along with people. You have to figure out what makes everybody tick. Uh, communication skills are also uh, paramount in what we do. 
But uh, again, let your passion drive you. You know, like if you love games and it's something you want to do, spend time with them and and put as much energy into finding your path into the industry. And there's more avenues in there today than when I was lucky enough to get into the industry, you know, a couple of decades ago. That's that's crazy. And I, I love the point you brought up about just kind of how much more prevalent gaming is in today's kind of world because you know even from myself on linkedin like i'm connected with like esports like reporters esports directors like college like like deans for like specific programs that are esports related like Safir, like we went to school not you went to school more recently than me but like i went to school from 2014 to 2018 like even for my like graduating year like to think about like entering a gaming course was a little kind of tab like not taboo but like just unheard of like we had gaming yeah. clubs we had events we could go to but there wasn't like an actual course you could go to professionally learn something gaming related like Saphir man would you would you would you do that all over again if you had to like I don't know man I, I just might <laughs> Hey man, the, my passion is definitely there for it. And hey, maybe if it if it was booming a little bit earlier, I might have considered it. Um, you know, actually, I'm thinking about Toronto Metropolitan University. I think they like launched some sort of an esports and gaming programming on campus, both as like an extracurricular activity, but also with courses. And it's stuff like that. That yeah, to your to both of your guys' points, we didn't see a lot of it in the past. So there's just so much more resources out there. So many more opportunities for people to take advantage of. And I love it. And uh, install one of our competitive players in, in the nhl space we him and i we discuss about this like all the time and it's just it's just so awesome to see and i think it's going to continue to grow and like i i think people will also appreciate mike's uh, advice on all of that because the opportunity really is there for people uh to get involved for sure yeah i totally agree with that Safir. now the we got to talk about nhl 24. i'm going to shift gears here because <laughs> i'm going to be honest i have been having so much fun like there's, you know, there's some things, you know, here and there that are a little, you know, annoying to deal with, but I have had so much fun playing this game, guys. Like it is, for me, it's a refreshing change and it's, I've had to get better. Like yeah. when I played D last year, like in sixes, I was able to do my LT pivots and stuff like that. And then my first Eshel game, I was like, I felt like a stick. Like I was like, I need to learn how to be mobile and how to do my own stuff. And I, before you came in, Mike, I was teasing to Saphir. I found a little move I like to do now. I guess I'll tell it. Um, <laughs> I do the little, so I'm, I'm right-handed or I'm left-handed on the right side, but I'll kind of come out and do the spinorama towards the boards. And usually the defender cuts wide and he burns it. I have seeing eye on, I just rip it on net gotten like four or five really good clips from that so that's like my please don't change that please don't change that mike like I love <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a hockey move though right like that's yeah that, that's a hockey move right like i mean defensemen will use it primarily to get out of the zone but but there's that's used in attacking positions too and i think like you know just to answer that or comments on that piece is like i think we're all about keeping what we feel are representative hockey things in the game some of the stuff we pulled out is exploits, things that we look at and go, that's not really authentic. It's not really how you play the game. So there is this gestation period I still think we're going through right now, but it's awesome to hear you're, you're having a good time with with the releases here. Yeah, I've, I have to admit, when we interviewed Kale McCarr, like now whenever I do that move, I feel a little bit like <laughs> I do that But Safir, man, how have you been, uh, have you been enjoying Chell so far? Uh, Rahil, I just have to say, because we were talking about school and programs earlier, maybe you can start up Rahil, uh, you know, school of uh, child gaming or something like that. <laughs> one move, one course, <laughs> one course, one move. That's it. <laughs> uh, man, I have to say, for me, the biggest thing is that, you know, with when it comes to NHL gaming, we've needed like a hard reset, a hard refresh. And for me, NHL 24 definitely provides that. Um, you know, I'm one of those players that, you know, in past iterations of the game as well, would take a lot of shots on that. 
I just rip it from everywhere. And I learned that from Junior Pens. Junior Pens, you know, for his D to D is just ripping 30 shots a game. So for me, I've appreciated that the new engines in the game, you know, we're talking about the exhaust engine, the sustained pressure and the goalie fatigue system, um, really encourages players to play more of like, you know, what hockey is really supposed to be. Um, mm -hmm. And when it comes to like, you know, game breaking glitches or whatever, like I've certainly noticed that there are a couple of glitches that are still in, in the game. And then there are other yep. ones that have been that have been removed obviously which which is an awesome sight to see and i think it's one of those things where it's like i think it's it's a it's a great foundation and nhl 24 has needed this foundation too so i'm really excited you know how how else it can further be innovated and tweaked in the future um mm -hmm. overall i've really enjoyed the game too i have to be honest the gameplay like i said it's refreshing and it's something we've needed for a long time yeah and i think i mean we again it's only been two years for me on the team but that was clear coming in you know and I, i've been a, a a consumer of this game before joining ea mm -hmm. so I, i've been on the other side of the fence too and uh i think all that criticism about the game remaining to be too much of the same was was fair and you know we get up every morning to make a game that's going to satisfy the, the people that purchase the product and uh obviously anytime you change the meta of a game there is going to be this you know it you know you guys were talking about you have to relearn how to play the game it's like there's a bit of a reset that's there and that that's the that's the tough part of change, right? Is is because you know you want the change, and then it comes. You get that immediate pushback that oh my goodness, things are so different, and what's going on? And I can't do this, and I can't do that. And you know we're three weeks in, so I think people are going to get better as time goes on. And you know to your to your guys' points, things like putting pucks on net is such a fundamental part of hockey, and it, it's not just about goalie manipulation or trying to mm -hmm. open the goalie up. Good shots through traffic, uh, their strategies used by teams. I mean, my, you know, Sabres are a team that tries, you know, we're finally getting back to what we did last year and get that identity back, which is let's pepper the goalie, let's create opportunities because we don't have the skill up and down. We got it on the first line, but it doesn't exist everywhere else. Mm -hmm. And I think the hockey acumen we have on the team, and it's always going to be sort of six and one half dozen the other there's always going to be people that have you know different arguments for things but we're really trying to use what we know about hockey what we've experienced playing hockey growing up what we love about the game and try to bring that into these gamified systems that create a product where you guys just want to play one more i think that is the 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 trademark of any good sports game is Every game, something happens where you're like, I just want one more. Whether it's you don't want to take an L before you go to bed or you feel like you're on a roll and you just want to keep it going, it shouldn't be this predictable experience. And I think we're finally starting to head that way with the series with some of the changes we put in this year. I remember one time we spoke, Mike, you mentioned the chip uh, the chip reference where you're like, you just want one more. And honestly, that, that that's especially been true for me these, these past few weeks. I can't tell you how many times I've looked at my girlfriend, I'm just like, just gonna play one more with the boys like just just one more like i just need to play one more most of the time it is one more sometimes it's four or five but we won't talk about that but i think <laughs> like that's that's a great thing about this game and another thing that kind of helps me say that one more game thing too is the way you guys have been with just kind of like you know when you know these two like we've had two patches this week like you guys have actively been you know trying to you know fix the small things that are there and yeah. making the game better and you know that's a thing i think that's huge for me too it's because when i am you know getting fed up with something i'm like okay it's not going to be like this forever where in other previous games i was like okay i got to deal with this for like five months it felt like sometime so that's just one thing i also kind of wanted to kind of like commend you guys on because that's something i think a lot of people have asked for as well I actually yeah, I, won. Oh, no. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No. Oh, 
Uh, thank you. Yeah, I actually wanted to add to that because um, I, I remember last year we didn't have a lot of tuner updates uh, of the like, especially when it came to gameplay. Um, and then obviously I just joined the the design council over the summer. So like one thing I've definitely appreciated as well is like the feedback is being listened to, you know, and it's it's something that is being discussed on a regular basis. And so, yeah, to your point, Rahil, there are two tuner updates this week. Obviously, I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit when it comes to the hybrid con controls and then goalie control schemes. Um, um, these are important updates that need to be done. And, you know, um, having our feedback heard and discussed, I think is is huge this year after what happened last year. So, yeah. And I think, you know, with Chris and myself and, and trying to really, I think we've tried to put the community at the forefront of everything we do. Because again, mm -hmm. that's what we're building the game for. We're not, we're not getting up to come into work to make a game uh, for ourselves. It's for the people that are trying to enjoy it. Obviously, you know, we have a choice to enjoy it on the side, but that's not why we, get up and do our job. And I think it's great to hear you guys say that because I think it's important for the community to know that, you know, we're not here just to say something and not follow it up with action, right? And so we really wanna walk the walk. We did the the talk uh, video in the summer about things being different and that's real, like things are gonna be different. There's even more things in the works for more consistent community conversation, um, not just talking to our design council, but actually talking to that wide audience more often. and. You know, there's a balance. We, we obviously, this game comes out on a yearly basis. And so, you know, we have we have to manage what we're building for the future. But just like we said, if there are things that are predominantly causing massive problems in the game, uh, they will get addressed, right? And we'll find a way to do that. Obviously, we would love to fix absolutely everything that gets popped up, but there's those competing things there in terms of we've got to keep forging forward to make the next product. But again, it's great that you guys are recognizing and seeing that this is a commitment to doing what we said we're going to do. And you know, I think with time, we're going to take this game to, to new heights and hopefully have something that's as airtight as possible. But I will say players always find a way. There's always going to be uh, someone out there that finds something that we weren't looking for. And yeah. that's the sort of endless, uh, infinite game that is game development. Yeah, I love Sorry, go ahead, Sophia. Oh no, I was gonna say no, that's that's so true because at the end of the day, like if you if we made a wish list of things that we want in shell gaming, like it would honestly be a uh, honestly be a never ending list. Um there's always something new that you could add, you know, so you can always nitpick at the at the smallest things, but yeah. Yeah, no, that you're totally right on that. Superior. I, I can think of a bunch of people that just like their list would just go on and on and on and on and on. But um, getting into it, Mike, I know Sophia talked a little bit about the hybrid controls and the classic, you know, goalie mm -hmm. controls and stuff. I'll have to admit, I don't usually play goalie. Um, I'm the type of person where when I'm trying to like rank up, especially now, because like the league gaming season's coming up, I'll hop in. I'm like, guys, I'll just, you know, you guys are going to need to score 10 goals, but I'll play goalie because I'm just terrible. <laughs> but with with the tether system at first, I actually like liked it and I liked the way it was. But I think that when you guys released this classic goalie control scheme back as well, it was like perfect because it was like these options to you could have tether, but you could turn off manual hugging the post and stuff like that. So you guys really did a solid job there. And goalie feels like I played it last night and I was like, oh, my gosh, like I kind of want to play goalie more now. But I wanted to touch upon like why that was so important for you guys to bring back into NHL 24. Well, I mean, you know, I, I, again, taking risk and trying new things is part of, I'm always of the mind, I like to be bold and I like to try new things. And we looked at our uh, analytics when it came to which uh, controller configurations players were using in the game. So I'll speak first to hybrid and skill stick is predominantly, it's it's the far and wide most used uh, mapping in the game. And hybrid was smaller and NHL 94 was even tinier. And so what we wanted to do with total control is give people a chance to do things that they typically can't do because the dexterity ask is 
it quite frankly, it's insane on skill stick. Like if you're actually going to try to do the Michigan with how it's, it's uh, coded, it's tough, you know, and kudos to the players that can go in and pull it off over and over again, but that's not everybody that plays the game. And so we wanted to reduce a little bit of that skill gap. And so total control was, was created. I think the lesson here though, is even if we have a small percentage of people using, especially controller mapping, I think it's a lesson we'll take forward from this and that we can have as many mappings in the game as possible. And clearly the people who use hybrid, it was it was a bigger group with more passion than probably I recognized at the time. So it's back now. We don't have to worry about that going forward. And I think we'll be mindful in the future of only adding mappings and not taking things away um, just based on on this lesson. Uh, the goalie one was a bit different. Like goalie, to your point, it's a it was it's a very um, there's a core group that play goalie, but it's not a massively played position. Uh, you can't score the game winner. To your point, you might need your teammates to outscore your problems based on. Uh, how yep. it's how the control set is there, but obviously the players that have played legacy goalie for years, they're they're amazing at what they do. So what we wanted to do was try to take what we had and create a system that hopefully would introduce more players wanting uh, to play to the, play the position. Uh, in the end, again, legacy goalies wanted what they had. There's this, I think, when a game stays the same for so long as well, the muscle memory, how you've played the game, you don't want that stuff to to change. So. We wanted to bring that back. And, you know, we've seen positive feedback around the tethering that's out there. And, and again, when we brought back Legacy, we tried to figure out ways to retain some of the stuff that the tethered system brought in to figure out that middle point. And so far, it seems like, you know, that's all that that's gotten quiet now. So we can move on from that. And again, the lesson is we'll be more mindful of uh, removing any mapping and probably won't be removing any mapping as we as we go forward. Awesome. I know Safir was happy about the hybrid controls coming back, weren't you, Safir? Yeah, the last two years I've I've mainly strictly been playing on hybrid controls. It's just for me, especially on the Xbox controller, it just feels more natural. Um, just pressing the A button to pass. Um, I don't know what it is. I feel like it's it's because of the controller size. Just pressing the triggers doesn't feel as comfortable. So, no, I think bringing back hybrid and to your point, Mike, just like adding options, uh, I think is such a great approach because you're just giving options at this point to, to every player in the community, right? So, and, and I'll add to like the hybrid. It was important to bring that back as well for um, you know, or there's groups out there that play games with with disabilities, and mm -hmm. we needed something there for them. I will say though, like. We'll also be making an effort in the forward to actually work with uh, special gaming groups to do what I feel is like the proper pass of accessible controls for 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 players that play within that cohort because we mm -hmm. haven't really addressed it the way that I think we should have, and so that's an opportunity that we have for the future. I think it's important to to speak out there because I know there's been people on on X and stuff that have been asking specifically about that, and so it is a focus of ours. We want to bring like a true uh, control set that that is. Uh, catered towards that that demographic so they can have the best fun with the product as well awesome i, love that. I know Safira. i was gonna say you're I, I might need to do hybrid controls if, if you're if Safira's a Safira's the cotton player in the podcast roster <laughs> i'm the special fun guy in the podcast roster. so since he's doing hybrid i might have to try it out a little bit i don't know Safira, you might might need to get some tips from you man Listen, I, I just have to say when I'm when I'm smashing those buttons, I mean, the, the clicks make sounds, right? Like like when I'm going for a one timer, I'm spamming the B button. And uh, I actually woke up my younger sister the other day and she was like, Sophia, what, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm in a competitive champscape. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. And honestly, yeah, that, I know there's a couple of people in the uh, chill community uh, who can uh, definitely be involved and then kind of collaborate in, in, in that regard so i'm really excited to see what you guys do with that so um but now i have a more broad question for you mike what is sort of the outlook or vision 
of esports NHL on Chell Gaming. Um, you know, because obviously with NHL 24, it's there's a it's a refresh. There's there's a lot of new things. So, what's the overall vision here? Well, I mean, like we probably can go back to the talk video we did in the summer, mm -hmm. and you know, we we work in uh, sort of three year plan uh, timeframes, and so look at the next three years ahead. And right now, like honestly, community wish list is a huge focus right now, and that includes you know. Um, we're calling it connected franchise GM connected is what it's been called in the past. And I know that's still something that's talked a lot about in the community. So that's one thing that we mentioned in the summer, it's still a focus and it's something that uh, we want to get accomplished in, in this next three years that's in front of us. It's a GM connected was a big mode. Uh, it had a lot of stuff in it, probably too much stuff in it for what it was. And so we want to figure out the right way to attack that, to get in what matters most. Um, and again, I think, since GM Connected was in the product and where we are today, social gaming is is more prevalent today than it even was back then. So this idea, and I always think of this mode as like, you know, I play in a lot of fantasy uh, football pools and I don't do hockey because the the work is just, it's just too much work. I don't every, day, to every day, every day, every day, right? It's crazy. It's like a second job. Um, <laughs> but that idea of being able to take that experience at a high level, right? And connect that to Chell. Uh, man, like I, I would, I would play in something like that and be able to have eight or ten or twelve or whatever we wanted to in a league and how many games per week and whatever the case may be, drafts at the beginning, trades. We can expand that over time. So that's a big focus as we go forward. I'll say like it's there is this infinite game to chill, which is it's a very big game. We've got offline modes in franchise and be a pro. We've got the Esports Hockey League and World of Chill, and we've got Hockey Ultimate Team. And then we've got all of our kind of vacation modes where you just go in if you want to do a quick online shootout or whatever the case may be. But those four ones at the beginning, each year it's a, it's a, you know, our challenge is to try to figure out how do we provide value to each of those modes? Because our, our main cohorts that play this game, they kind of spread out right amongst those parts mm -hmm. of this big uh, hockey amusement park. And so, you know, if you think about, we've invested a ton in Eshel, we always put time into hot, you know, franchise is probably a place as well offline that deserves a bit of love. I know BAP, uh, people are looking for new things there as well. And, you know, again, can't say too much about the future, but what I can say is the areas that have uh, deficiencies, we're looking at those. And and we understand the areas that haven't been refreshed and th those are on the, they're on the board and they're things that we're thinking about alongside of some of these big things. But again, as time goes on, the community's sort of wish list and how we feel about a product changes. So that sort of direct line in and engaging with the community 365 days a year, that's gonna play the biggest part in determining where we go. Because ultimately, again, the game is for the community. So what matters today could be different than what matters six months from now. And we wanna continue that conversation. So we're investing in the right things. I love the G, uh, the connected franchise idea. I know uh, Nosley's at the end of 23. He did like a, a GM mode where like he managed everything. I, I got to the finals as the Habs. Just just saying, just bragging about that there. But um, <laughs> so I, I'm I'm excited for that personally. Um, probably not going to see the Habs make the finals for a while. So I was just glad to see them virtually at least. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you, Mike, specifically when it comes to like the esports scene and stuff like that. There's obviously been a lot of growth in other um, you know other sports games. You know FIFA's insane with esports sports um i recently went to a uh, a fifa tournament um in uh, toronto for like mlse and that was awesome there and one thing i've noticed in um a specific game in, in the nba 2k series is they're able to incorporate like their own custom images their own custom logos and stuff like that into 
the actual video game. And I know I've spoken to a couple of people who run these events and stuff like that. And one thing they really want to see is if there's a way to incorporate that in NHL. Um, specifically, when I was talking to someone um, working for like MLSE and stuff, he was talking about how it's very easy for him to get sponsors for an esports event when they can have their logo at center ice, when they can have their logo on the boards and stuff like that. So I kind of want to ask, is that kind of a, a are you guys working on something like that? Is that kind of one of those wish list things that you guys are trying to, you know, play around with? Because I know that I think is one of the big things that could really help grow the NHL space as well when it comes to esports. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's a lot of growth happening with with esports in general, and you know, there's there's groups that do some great stuff with NHL. Mm -hmm. uh, I know at 2K, like they have a um, when we had the community days in in the summer at the studio, um, you know, learning that 2K has a, like a, a very dedicated separate esports build that gives them more functionality. So I think like that path probably is the the best path. And right now we don't have plans for that currently, um, but I see that more as an opportunistic path in the sense that if there was a way to make that work, we can invest in something like that and then continue to, to build uh, changes into the main game. Because the other problem too is with only so much time every year to update the game and make the new version, while that may appeal to say the competitive space and, and let's just say it costs us, I don't know, 30% of our budget to do this wish list of things there, that's not going to help anybody else that's playing elsewhere in the game. And for us, from a business standpoint, we got to think about all, like all the players in those four main areas of the game. And I think that's why 2K maybe created that that build on its own, so they can have focuses on different areas. So I mean, esports isn't going anywhere at this point in time. Like, unfortunately for me, what I do day to day, it's doesn't really that type of decision doesn't play into um, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, but we still look at things like spectator mode is something we talk about because that's something that can benefit everybody and it will filter into esports. So if we find more things where we can go, that's going to benefit the, the, the mass population that plays NHL, we'll keep feeding those in. And then maybe that side build is, as we go forward might be an opportunity that as a company, we decide to jump on as, as time goes by. Listen, Safir, if I can find a way to get my TikTok logo and like like a QR code to follow me on TikTok, like in the middle of Center Ice, I will, if you guys need help, Mike, I got you. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, we can also plaster NHL podcast all over. I like that. Uh, I like that. I love your comment about spectator mode because, yeah, it's a great example into how like certain features or modes can overlap for both the casual and competitive community. And like, as I was reflecting, the more you were just sort of talking about this, I'm thinking like, yeah, if you have a great game, you know, you'll encourage more people to try out the game. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. that's how I first got into NHL game. I watched hockey on TV and then I noticed that, oh, esports makes hockey video games. Let me try it out. And I, I fell in love with it immediately and still playing for more than 10 years. So, yeah, I'm kind of thinking like, you know, if you grow the game, you get more people playing and naturally you'll also have some of those people accessing the esports side of things. And then if you have features mm -hmm. like spectator mode, yeah, there's a lot of overlap there. So that's really exciting for me. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Go ahead, Zephyr. Um, Yeah, no, I think I think that's about it in terms of NHL 24, Rahil, unless you had anything else that you wanted to, uh, wanted to add specifically. I, I'm good on the 24 stuff. I want to talk about what you wanted to talk about, though. Zephyr's so so got, we always <laughs> like talking about this kind of stuff. So go ahead, man. 
Yeah, well, okay, I'll just leave it more broadly about the NHL season. I just was hoping to get some of your thoughts, both of you guys, like how, like what are your overall impressions early on in the NHL season? Um, I guess I can go first. Rahil, the Leafs beat the Habs. Um, on in overtime, night. barely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the Leafs won, um, as expected. Uh, I've been happy with Toronto's performance. I think the, the thing that stands out to me the most so far is Joseph Wall. Um, he's been stellar the last couple of games. I think he's only given up two goals on 98 shots. So, um, yeah, it's been a great season. The one problem that I have with the NHL is that I think they had all 32 teams playing on one night the other day. I think yeah. it was Tuesday. There's so many great games. I'm like, there's a couple I want to watch. It was tough to keep up, Rahil. Yeah, the thing for me, especially that frozen frenzy thing, like that was such a cool idea, and I hope they continue that going forward. But, you know, as Canadians, we're kind of on the short end of the stick there. Um, I got two things from this season so far that I'm kind of shocked at. One's like a two-in-one. Um, Boston being second in the league and Edmonton being 31st in the league. I don't think anyone had that. No. Um, I was on a podcast uh, with a good friend recently, and I said I am not counting out the Bruins because every time I do, they're like that like thing that just won't go away. They're just still there. and. They're finding a way to do it too. Also, respectable Cole Caulfield, nine points in seven games. <laughs> I, I, I had to get my Cole reference in there. Um, I was really hoping you'd get a fantasy card for the uh, the 24 event. I didn't make Suzuki, but I got his X Factor at least. But um, yeah, Cole's been on. I'm happy Cole's been on a bit of a heater at least. We don't worry about the record. Record it doesn't <laughs> exist for me. But Mike, like you, beat it. you beat us. So, you know, you, you, you know, Alan yeah. stood on his head. That night, and I, I thought we were going to somehow push through that one, but we couldn't get by you guys that night. Um, so, I mean, as a Sabres fan, probably, you know, a bit of a missing identity for Buffalo out of the gate. Uh, this team looked a bit lost for a few the first few games. I think they're finding themselves again. The offense is starting to come around. Obviously, you know, we're missing uh, Quinn right now, which I think is a, a component we'd love to see back with Cousins. Um, you know, I, I think Detroit is a huge surprise out of the gate. You know, Eiserman's a, he's a mastermind though. And, you know, his plans always seem to, to work out in time. I, I feel bad for Ottawa fans. Like the bad beat continues, like the number of injuries that they're going through right now. And some of the, the moves that, that they've made in recent times, like is probably some regret there with players that are no longer in a Senator's uniform. So I think that's going to be a, it's tough, man. Like they've, I can't believe how many players they've lost. Edmonton, I think they're still going to make the playoffs. Like it's a tough yeah. start, but it, NHL is all about overreaction in the first few weeks. Like it, it's crazy the number of fans that are ready to just, you know, burn it all down with with so many games left to go. And you know, at a certain point, that's going to be true. But I think you know Edmonton will climb back. Calgary is a bit of a surprise too. Like they're yeah. they're bottom feeding as well. Um, and Columbus, I, I think, is a bit of a, a surprise for me in terms of like they're. They're in the mix right now. I think a lot of people wrote them off before the season even started, and there's good talent there. So I think, you know, there may be a team that nobody's going to pay attention to that not think they're going to fight for a playoff spot, but I think they're going to be in a more predict, uh, sort of respectable spot in so the standings come the end of the year. So, if you're, why'd you smile at the fans overreacting thing? Any, any input there? No, I mean, I don't want to make fun of Leafs Nation, but I was just thinking of like, yeah, we probably think we're going to win the Cub after every big game, but like, no, never mind. Maybe, never mind. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just just, we'll, we'll save it for another episode. Yeah. I, I have a question. I was going to say, I have Quick one question. final question yeah, go for ahead. Mike. Dylan Cousins just got a fantasy card in Hockey Ultimate Team. Is he hitting 99? Because I'm debating if I should gamble and risk the one and three and try and get that cousins because he looks I can't, I, can't, I can't tell you that i got you gotta you gotta go on the <laughs> you gotta 
you got to go on the ride, you know. Um, I hope every Sabre in the game hits 99. But, uh, <laughs> Do you think he's going to get at least like 25 goals though this year? I mean, you oh, I think so. Yeah, I, th I, th I think he'll get. I think he'll get 30. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go try and get him then. Yeah, Rahul, you, you need the 99 card, man. Trust okay. me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Mike, one final question. I'm just curious. Have you have you been to a Sabres Leafs game at all? Oh yeah, I'll be back. Actually, uh, I'll be in Toronto next Saturday night. For I'm heading back on uh, okay. Thursday for Philly at Buffalo Friday, and then uh, taking my sister for her birthday to uh, Buffalo Toronto on Saturday. So I've been to many Leaf games, both in Toronto and in Buffalo. I think actually the ones in Toronto are better for Sabres fans because um, it's just a different atmosphere. Whereas the, the it's the hardcore fan, the hardcore Leaf fan goes down to Buffalo for those games, and yeah. those ones are fun too, though because. The Leafs record, his, I mean, Buffalo just owns the Leafs historically, right? Like 66% yeah. uh, uh, win percentage. And um, it's always good. But I, I enjoy the games more in Toronto because I get to cheer and nobody really says anything. Whereas in Buffalo, it's like, it's a bit maddening that it's like Leafs Nation in downtown <laughs> Buffalo because it's just such an invasion every time the Leafs are there. But I, I'm looking forward to next Saturday. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to say it's like a home game for, for the Leafs in Buffalo every time. But oh, that's awesome. I'm sure you have lots of fun there. So I just love that Mike came with the fact he had the facts ready. He had that I know, 60, 60, I know. 60 ready. I, I was love trying it, to Mike. one up him with the, with the whole like, oh, it's a Leafs home game, and then he's like, no, Buffalo. I chase them all over the country every year. <laughs> I, I I go back numerous times a year from Vancouver. I, I love I love uh, the scene in Buffalo. It's, it's a great sports town. I quick story. I I grew up as you know in sort of the Leafs territory but my dad took me to a Sabres game as my first experience and Jubar Perot got like four goals in the game and they thumped LA it was something like 11-2 and that was his biggest mistake because I fell in love with the team there and he regrets <laughs> to this oh, day because no. uh, he oh, had a no. choice and he made he made the wrong choice but the right oh, choice no. for me and I'll, I'll never uh, <laughs> never not not support the swordsman that's awesome that's awesome Safir you got anything else for Mike or uh no Mike I just wanted to thank you so much for being on the podcast today was awesome. Just learning more about you, uh, talking, you know, just hockey in general, NHL 24 and the future direction of EA Sports NHL. So, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate it. And look forward, you know, look forward. Hopefully we can chat again in the future. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Mike. And ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be it for episode 20 of the NHL podcast. Thank you for listening and have yourselves a great day.